signs that we sound real cynical to start the fast lane as football season is underway. And no, we're not really that cynical, but we do appreciate you. Hope you had a wonderful Labor Day. The irony of ironies in this country that people celebrate Labor Day by not laboring. Um, But the thing with college football starting up is that week one gives you a bit of an idea, but week two is when you can start to formulate real conclusions. And in this landscape of ours college football life in general people crave and want stability clearly if you're a college sports fan that doesn't exist anymore acc adding cal stanford and smu everybody else is realigned conferences move players move someone brought the point up at lunch earlier today that it was amazing listening to virginia tech's game against old dominion on the cbs sports radio lynchburg app of course, this Saturday, they take on Purdue, 10 a.m. airtime. Michael Massey listened to it on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Just like a good friend of the program would absolutely do. So, the point they brought up is, just in general, it's like everybody on Virginia Tech's roster is a transfer. Grant Wells, the quarterback's a transfer. Not this year, of course, but he transferred in one of the running backs, Tootin, the three wide receivers. I mean, they're transfers galore, and it's everywhere in college sports. I mean, that, that, that's part of the reality. And maybe for me, part of it is also there's a fascination around Colorado taking it to the extremes and our uh, coach prime uh, proving us wrong on our votes of confidence, but also proving us right that we love the hype around the individual and that it's intriguing for a game where you don't necessarily feel that same level of loyalty to the school or the program the way that you once did. And it, it kind of has impacted my overall viewing of college football, but it's not the only thing because people crave stability. And frankly, every team needs it to a certain extent. And no more evident can that be than in quarterback play. See, Virginia clearly has obvious holes and issues. I know, we're going out on a limb here. They got destroyed by Tennessee. It's miraculous that it was 14-3 to at the mythical two-minute warning of the second quarter. But anybody watching the game and realizing Virginia had like seven yards of total offense and Tennessee had 124 in the second quarter, and then that gap continued to be as wide as the Gulf of Mexico or pick your coast that the ACC represents, you could see where this thing was going. But part of it also took a head for Virginia with the fact that Tony Musket, transfer himself coming into Virginia is now listed as day-to-day but suffered an injury to his shoulder in that game that put him at what Tony mentioned Tony Elliott mentioned earlier today in his midweek press conference the Virginia quarterback being day-to-day yeah so so Tony's day-to-day uh you know he's getting he's getting more uh uh range of motion in in uh in his shoulder uh but uh you know, he wants to play. You know, he's pushing to play. Uh, each day is, uh, is encouraging. But right now, he's, uh, he's day-to-day with the shoulder. Tony Elliott, speaking on Tony Musket, the Virginia Cavaliers quarterback being day-to-day with the shoulder injury is Virginia now a seven-point underdog. We're not making this up. Seven-point underdog to, in their second year of 1A FBS football, an in-state rival, albeit not with the same pedigree and prestige as UVA, the JMU Dukes. That's got to think that Musket's not playing, right? I would think there's the expectation that he's not, and that's part of it. I'm still taking UVA and the points. You're taking UVA and the points? Yeah. That's a that's a large number for an emotionally it's, charged game. Hold, 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 hold your thoughts Friday for our votes of confidence. I was just going to say, it's, it's it, we'll put it this way. It will be a principal play come Friday. I, you know, I, I can respect that because I, it may well be for me as well, especially if that number hangs at seven or greater. Um, 
I mean, look, Virginia could easily lose this game. I think they should be the underdog. But the number may be too big. Then there's this other part. The fact that already Tony Muskett has earned the right to be the quarterback, which could be a head-scratcher for some, but Tony Elliott calling it a game-time decision and mentioning that Muskett has earned that right. With him, it would be a game-time uh, decision uh, on that. Uh, we, we know uh, his background. Uh, we also, you know, he had an opportunity to... Uh, to show us, you know, kind of how he was going to react and respond uh, in the situation that he was in this past this past Saturday. So, uh, with him, it would be it would go all the way up till game time. Tony Elliott mentioning that the quarterback Tony Musket is a game time decision. The bigger picture takeaway for this, not how Virginia got there. Obviously, Tennessee's defensive line overwhelmed Virginia's inferior offensive line, and vice versa. When Virginia tried to stop Tennessee's offense, the same thing happened. Hence, the lopsided 45-13 to 13 score and Tennessee just running over Virginia. Even though it was close, Tennessee was always in control of that game. But it speaks to one thing that if you're Virginia, having order and structure in the quarterback room is a good thing. Granted, they may not be any good. That may be a concern, but... If you're looking at programs, that's one of the things you can mention you want is an idea of a quarterback meshing with what the coaching staff would like for him to do. And it can lead us in a couple of different directions. One is the Commonwealth of Virginia and the Virginia Tech Hokies. Because Virginia Tech, I mean, I I don't know what to say other than here was Virginia Tech with Tyler Bowen, the offensive coordinator, speaking on Kyron Drones being inserted into the game as Bowen addressed the uh, Virginia Tech radio network, as you heard on the postgame show on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Yeah, definitely. It was good to get his feet wet in, in Lane Stadium, Worsham Field, and, and there's a lot of growth as a unit and a lot of growth in that group for sure. Tyler Bowen, not really saying a whole lot of anything when it comes to the quarterback play of Virginia Tech, but... Maybe it's his decision. Maybe it's a larger decision. If it is, I disagree with this. The idea of trying to play multiple quarterbacks for different starters and having different packages. Because Virginia Tech really struggled in short yardage situations. They struggled with synchronicity on offense at times, in part because of quarterback play. And now you get more word if you're Virginia Tech that, as Brent Pry mentioned in his midweek press conference today, the plan is still to go with two quarterbacks. Yeah, the approach right now would be exactly the same. Go into the game with a package, with tagged plays. Um, I really want people to have to defend uh, Kyron's skill set. And I still want to, you know, we're still very much committed to developing him uh, each and every week. So I'd like to see his play count go up. In theory, that's great. But if you're Virginia Tech, did you not learn anything from this? See, I refuse to think the coaching staff is stupid. Are you that dumb? No, they're not that dumb, according to the Three Stooges. But they might be a little too stubborn in this situation. Because, Trey, listening to the game on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, and of course watching it as well on television this past Saturday, the offense struggled to find rhythm in general, particularly running the football. And theoretically, Kyron Drones would be the guy that does that, but... He had the obligatory, let's throw the ball the first time he's quarterback, even though it's a controlled short pass, to make it seem like he can do multiple things. And then after that, he just ran the football. And it disrupted the rhythm for an offense that already struggled to get rhythm. And this on top of the fact that, as Brent Pry noted earlier today, Grant Wells had his best game at quarterback at Virginia Tech, and obviously Pry saying this today with the benefit of now having clearly reviewed the film from 
Saturday's victory against Old Dominion. Yeah, I thought it was probably his best game as a Hokie. Uh, certainly didn't play perfect, but uh, made good decisions, threw the ball pretty well, and uh, you know had a few drops. I think there were three drops in the game. But uh, I would say he would feel the same way. This is a great game for him to build on, um, to continue to grow as a quarterback and, and be a type of guy that can lead us to, you know, continue to lead us to some victories. Brent Pry speaking today about Grant Wells. All the praise that's heaped upon him. It begs the question, Trey, at this point, are you ready to pull the plug on a two-quarterback system that, I'll be honest, I don't like the idea of it to begin with, so I, as you may have heard prior weeks, uh, I was kind of ready to pull the club plug previously, but especially now, if you want to get him experience, try to build a lead, and maybe you get a spot like they were actually against Old Dominion. I don't know if it'll come in the near term. Maybe it's Rutgers next week is your best chance. Maybe it doesn't happen the rest of the year. Maybe it's at Florida State when you're on the opposite end of this. But when the outcome is clearly not in doubt late in the game, and that's where you can get Grant Wells or get Kyron Drone some meaningful repetitions without compromising the offense. Because until then, Trey, it looked like this is an offense that already has its concerns, and then bringing in a quarterback to disrupt the rhythm just adds more to that. Yeah, so um, I I think personally, yeah, it was clear to me that Mr. Uh, Wells played his best best game. I, I even tweeted Mr. This, Wells. Wow, he's earned that distinction from you already. I, I don't know why I said it like that. I was blanking on Grant. Like, I was blanking on Grant, so that's why I said it, Um, to be honest. <laughs> hey, but, at least you're honest. It's the best policy. I uh, So, but I, I think it was the best game I've seen him play as a Hokie. He didn't turn the ball over. He was efficient with the ball. It's this crazy idea, which Dampo Sweeney probably needs to take a lesson from is if you have really good wide receivers, it makes your quarterback look a lot better. And having an Ollie Jennings, having Lofton, having Lane, having having guys who can create separation and win at the point of attack, it helps a quarterback. Crazy idea, right? Like, uh, you know, good old... Remember, remember, who, remember Clemson has always been a part about NIL. God's NIL. That's how they've been building their program. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> clearly that... Duke, uh, a, a devil, and, a on. devil took it from him last yes. night. Um, my but, laugh is not at the Lord and Savior. Or my, I'm Christian, so I'll go with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's more that that's just idea. ironic. Yes, completely. Um, and that's what I meant by it. But I, I think they have true weapons. They have a true number one wide receiver in Ollie Jennings. They have a true, they, they have a true receiving core, and it made him a lot better. If you go back when he looked at Marshall, they had really good receivers at Marshall, and he threw for four thousand yards. So I think. His experience is showing because I, I this stuck with me when Dave Glenn said that Grant Wells has the most collegiate starts out of any quarterback in the ACC. It's showing, and I think you just have to lean on this experience with this receiving core. If you're going to have a Kyron Drones, I think, yes, maybe do a, a package, like if it's a third and one or if it's a... A goal line situation, but that that might be about it. Or if your offense is stalling out. But the good thing is, once they found the flow offensively, especially in that second half, they rode Grant Wells, and I think you're going to have to do that. And I think personally, going into this game against Purdue, who has a really good offense and not a good defense, if you watched them last week, I don't know why I'm whispering that part, but you're going to have to probably match points with Purdue because their offense is going to be a lot better. Um, than what ODU had, and I think 
I don't know about running the football necessarily, but definitely passing the football with their kind of attack. So I, I think it's going to be a test of, I think you ride Grant, William, or Grant Wells, I say Grant Williams, like I'm Tim Hasselbeck and mixing the quarterbacks up during the broadcast last week. But I am uh, I am uh, saying ride Grant Wells right now, keeping him hot. And uh, if you need a short yardage play, to run the ball, that's when you use Kyron Jones. No, I completely agree is having that, but really don't disrupt the rhythm at quarterback. And that's where Liberty, out of all the programs, and granted they're playing Bowling Green, not Tennessee, which Virginia drew, or even in Virginia Tech spot, which they realistically should be better because Liberty's instilling a new offensive scheme. But they deserve a lot of credit for how they handled things at quarterback um, with Caden Salter being the guy. We mentioned it was kind of a coin flip. I thought that you know Jonathan Bennett probably had a slight edge because of the instability at Liberty, but Oliver Hodgkinson, to his credit from College Football Network, was one of the, the many who mentioned that if you just look at schematic fit, it was Caden Salter clearly being the best fit, and Jamie Chadwell reiterated that as being one of the key decisions as to why Caden Salter got the nod at quarterback for Liberty. At the end of the day, uh, we're trying to win a conference championship, and we thought if we can continue to develop him and he continues to build confidence that he gives us that chance to do that. And so that was our that was our mindset with that. Caden Salter gives them a chance to win a championship. That goes with what we've said a lot, Trey, which is the upside is much greater, but the coaching staff for Liberty deserves credit for knowing that and realizing that you have to build through a guy like Caden Salter where there's a lot of boom or bust potential we knew we're going he was going to make some mistakes and and some things but we what we wanted to do is build confidence in him he uh, he has a habit of looking over his shoulder and oh man bad play and 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 world's ending and you know whatever and we and we told him up front this is a you're it's you're the guy i'm not looking to yank you out we're gonna we're gonna fight with it through you and uh and so and he he's he's took a hold of that and, and there's gonna be still learning curves with him but uh Really like how he stayed composed today. That's Jamie Chabwell. Obviously, it's right after the victory against Bowling Green this past Saturday. But he, he, he brought up a point that goes into what we've said about quarterback play. If you're thinking you might have to look over your shoulder because you make a bad play, it can be an issue. Now, it's a little bit different for Tony Musket at Virginia because Tony Elliott has reiterated he's the guy. It's just I don't know if the scheme is very good. I have my doubts about that. And the offensive line is very good. I certainly have my doubts about that as well to actually protect Tony Musket. But in terms of knowing what to do and how to rally around the guy, that is a part of it. Quarterback is a different position unlike any other in sports. Yes, there is competition you should have during the offseason to try to push a guy to be better. But everyone knows inevitably that when you start going with a two-quarterback system, rarely does it actually work. Now, you can have specifically designed plays for a quarterback. Chris Leak was the quarterback at Florida in 2006, I believe it was, and Tim Tebow came in. This might be the best example of it. This is, this is the best case scenario. And granted, for all of his, his flaws and warts, and there are many, Urban Meyer actually knew how to handle that situation very well. But that's the exception, not the norm. But I mean, that's I, when you bring in the number one, like Tim Tebow was the number one player. Well, not, in high and not only that, but Tim Tebow was clearly the guy that had better potential and upside. But, you know, I laugh at certain areas because he did a lot of calculated things to get camera time and TV time, particularly when it was obvious he was not good enough to be an NFL quarterback, but he kept trying to jam that square peg into a round hole and make that part of his story. Doesn't make him a bad guy, doesn't make him a non-Christ follower, but it is a part of it, and you can point it out as a concern. 
But in spite of all that, the flip side is, is he knew his role early at Florida that he wasn't trying to overshadow being the quarterback of Florida and taking it away from Chris. Like he knew what his situation was, how he was called to be, and how to be a good teammate. That's hard for a lot of quarterbacks because there's a natural competition element. And generally speaking, when it's successful, there's only one of them out there on the field. I throw the Virginia situation with Bronco and it all out the window because they had Keaton Thompson, but it was really Brennan Armstrong at quarterback and it was just designed offensive plays for Keaton Thompson. Don't think of him like the backup quarterback getting his role if you're trying to provide a frame of reference for what Virginia Tech's doing with Kyron Drones, where he's literally lined up under center and you're doing run plays, whereas Keaton Thompson was moved all over the formation. In essence, he was kind of a bigger version, and less athletic, obviously, of a Debo Samuel or a Christian McCaffrey, where they may be designated as a position on offense, but really they are OW, offensive weapon. That's not how Virginia Tech is using Kyron Drones. And it's a concern. And it goes back to what Jamie Chadwell said about not wanting Caden Salter to look over his shoulder and not wanting him to have to feel like it's not his job. And it's less about the personal feelings of the athlete themselves, although they need to lead with confidence. But it's also the team noticing that and how they handle and respond to that. And if you don't do that correctly, that creates a level of problems that can be real problematic. And it was one of the stark things that jumped out this past weekend, Trey, is Three different situations with quarterbacks. Virginia's more of an outlier because of the injury to Musket, uh, but he's clearly the guy in their eyes. And I thought he actually showed some toughness uh, hanging in there while he was getting the snot beat out of him by that horrible offensive line not protecting the mammoth defensive front of Tennessee. Caden Salter weathered the bad moments in the game for Liberty when they had a 24-7 lead, 21-0, then 24-7. Should have been 27-7 going into the locker room. Instead, the block field goal made it 24-14, and then Bowling Green goes down and scores. Could have been a touchdown, ends up being a field goal, but still, they cut it to a possession game, and Salter battled through that. You want your quarterback to have a chance to do that, and one of the easiest ways is to remove that obstacle. To Grant Wells' credit, Trey, when they went to the 2QB system in Blacksburg Saturday night, he never folded, and he still made plays in the second half. But it's hard to continue to do that again and again, and when you bring another quarterback in again and again, that's where it raises a level of concern, and that's why out of the three quarterback situations this weekend, Virginia's, the concern is injury-related. Liberty, I really don't have much, because I think it went about as well as you could have expected in game one of the Caden Salter era, and assuming he handles success well, that is a big assumption, they should be fine. It's the Virginia Tech one that clearly raises an eyebrow, especially when you hear the coaching staff go, oh, we're going to do it again. Well... I don't have concern about it. I think this is modern college football. I think you want to keep your backup quarterback engaged as much as possible, especially when he has a different skill set than your starting quarterback. Because it looked like to me, watching that second half, like they were not going to take Grant Wells out of the game and have Kyron Jones play. And I mean, Grant Wells played great. And maybe the pressure of having the shorter leash this year is going to help Grant Wells. To me, I think all three quarterback situations, like, I might take Tex right now because of how, and I, I this is one game, I, I I would take it over UVA. I, I don't say I was, like, particularly impressed by Musket. Um, I, I, I think Tennessee's defense is mid at best. Um, I think Salter played decently. I think their defense really kind of kept them in that game with five turnovers, and you, you commit you know, five turnovers and only went by seven. That's that's something to keep an eye out for. Um, it, it seemed to stall at some points, and then for for Tech in that second half, it just it felt more efficient. And I think I think 
Wells to, you know, Wells is just not, I think the expectations last year maybe were too much given, you know, looking back now, given the, the receiving talent because there are very few quarterbacks in college football that probably could have gone into that situation and like, you know, carried that offense. This guy, he can be more of a point guard in this offense, and I think that's his skill set. And I, I think Drones brings in a very unique skill set with his athleticism and his running ability, and if they use it correctly, which they sort of were, they weren't, like, giving, like, if it, if it was, like, Grant gets a series, then Kyron gets a series, Grant gets a series, Kyron gets a series. It felt like, to me, like, all right, our offense is stalling. Let's throw Kyron in there and see if he can get a short yardage play or, or something. If they keep doing it like that, I think it's fine. But if it goes to a, especially after last game, like Grant gets two series, Kyron gets a series, Grant gets like where there's no rhythm, then I will have a problem with it. That's where I disagree. I think it breaks up the rhythm right now for this particular offense, and I think there are other ways to creatively use Kyron Drones uh, as an offensive weapon where but he's not just running But you can use him in ball. short yard. Like I'm only saying short yardage situations, or or if you want a trick play or or something like that, like. I'm not saying, like, throw him out there and give him, like, a decent run, but, like, let's say it's third and one at your own 45. You should run him out there because that, or your third and one, or a third and goal from the two. Like, that's when you should run him out there. We can agree to disagree. Perhaps the die and the tiebreaker will be cast in the second, by the second guest, in covering the Commonwealth. Find out who that is if you're a regular listener. You already know who it is. When we return here in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, and you can weigh in, Fast Lane, Ed Lane, and Trey Law VT, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Fast Lane, Ed Lane, wherever you listen to podcasts.